Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. This is our, uh, our final chapter of our series on identity, especially identity in Christ. What does it mean to be a human being? What does it mean to be a Christian? Who am I is the title of this series. We've talked about uh, number one, <laughs> the beginning of our day at the end of our day. Who are we? We are children of God, baptized in the name of Jesus, born again, forgiven saints, and we will live forever. Right? No matter what happens at the end of the day, no matter how you're feeling, no matter what your health is, no matter your sins, we live in the forgiveness of Jesus. We are children of God because he says so. Second, we talked about um, who are we in terms of biology and creation. We are created by God. Uh, we're not just the result of, of randomness or accidents over millions of years. By chance, we appear. We're not simply animals that live simply by our instincts uh, to feed ourselves and procreate. We're made human beings, unlike all other creations of God, are made in the image of God. We are special and we know that not just because we're created by God, not because just Genesis says this, but because Jesus, the Son of God, became a man, a human being, and died for you, shed his blood for you. Human beings, even sinners, are special in God's eyes. So we should treat one another like that. Last week we talked about, um, you know, as children of God, as these uh, people made in God's image, what are we supposed to be doing? Serving one another. In the immediate tasks that are right in front of us as a father, husband, son, or daughter. What's right the jobs that we just have right in front of us as a student, you know, as a friend, a neighbor, and of course, uh, with the talents we have, we use it to serve our society, not to earn our own righteousness, but to uh, use our gifts for others. Whether you're working on the assembly line, making chairs for people to sit in, or bread for people to eat, or you're a banker, a doctor, a president, a business owner. Um, whatever it is, it's all the same in God's eyes. People working together, uh, serving one another. Uh, but today we talk about uh, something very important when it comes to identity. We know all these things, right? We know I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm made by God. Um, but we don't always feel like that. We don't always look like that. You know what I mean? We don't act like that. And I think that causes us to doubt our identity. I think this is such an important thing to talk about today that a lot of Christians get confused by. They don't understand um, what's going on. How are we supposed to be living? Why, why do we not feel like Christians all the time? You know, To the point where people actually doubt. Maybe I'm not a Christian. Maybe I'm not a child of God. Maybe I'm not special made in the image of God because I don't act like it. I don't feel like it all the time. 
Paul says this in chapter 7. You know, in his letter to the church in Rome, um, he begins really by making this case that everyone's a sinner, whacked out, messed up sinner. And then by chapter 3, he makes it really clear that if you're looking for a righteousness, being right with God in any way, such as doing good works, following the law, even the ceremonial law of the Old Testament, you always fail. But then he says a righteousness has been given to us apart from the law or doing good works or an inner ability, a righteousness, a rightness with God has been given to us by Jesus Christ who died and rose for us. And we have that by believing it. You are right with God. You are righteous because you believe when Jesus says you are forgiven, when you when Jesus says you are a saint, when Jesus says you are righteous, you are, you are a child of God, then you are. And then he comes to chapter seven and he says this weird things. He says, uh, for I do not understand my own actions. This is verse 15. For I don't know, I don't do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is, it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Uh, and he goes on, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Um, he goes, for I delight in the law of God, my inner being, but I see in my flesh another law waging war against the law of my mind. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ. But what we hear in this struggle that Paul's having, I hope it's kind of comforting to you. Because here's Paul who, um, I mean, if there's a saint, it would be Paul, Right? Paul laid down his life for others. Paul gave up everything to preach the gospel. Paul uh, was beaten, left for dead in Ephesus. I mean, the guy did everything for others. What amazing story of a turnaround. What amazing story. What a role model as as a Christian is Paul. And yet he's talking about not the past. He's talking about like right now as he's writing this letter. That he struggles with sin. That he has a mind, a struggle in his heart and mind. He knows what's right. He does what's wrong. Do you feel like that? I remember, I don't know if I've told you the broccoli story, but I uh, I don't know why it just etched in my mind here, but uh, to me it really illustrates this. I was a teenager and uh, um, coming to, to dinner there, um, and, and by the way, I think uh, the reason why we pray before dinner, we give thanks to God, but also uh, the the dinner table or the breakfast table is the battleground of family life uh, when it comes to raising kids. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I don't know why we're sitting around food or being fed. It seems like that's where the arguments are. That's where that's where the uh, <laughs> the criticism, the food goes, or you have to make your kid eat something. So so praying before dinner, praying before you eat, uh, it's a pretty important part of a family. So I look down and I see um, what's what's before us. My dad calls it the dinner. I look down and in a bowl there's broccoli, but it wasn't just broccoli. It was stalks, gigantic Jack and the Beanstalk sort of stalks of broccoli. And I remember literally thinking in my head, I got two choices. I could say something, which for some reason seemed that that would be serving justice if I make it very clear how disgusting that looked. 
or I could be quiet. I knew the outcome. I knew that if I said something that I would get in trouble. And I knew that if I didn't, we'd have a peaceful dinner. So I, I, I remember distinctly thinking about these options. And as I came to the table, of course, I said, what are we having trees for dinner? And I was sent to my room. I knew it all. I heard the voices. I knew the outcome. I still did the dumb thing. Does that mean I wasn't a Christian? I didn't act like one. Anybody else have struggles like that? Maybe it's at the dinner table. Maybe it's as a kid. Maybe it's right now as an adult. Maybe it's things you should or should not have said to your spouse. Things that you should or should have not done. Maybe you've got deeper, worse struggles. I think we all do with deeper and worse, more seductive sins. Sometimes we win and sometimes we lose. Does that mean you are not a Christian? I also remember about the same age inviting, invited to go to a, a, a church service. And I was Lutheran at the time, and um, I believed I was Christian. And uh, so we go to this service, and there's this fellow up, up, uh, up at the front, you know, and it, uh, there was kind of a revival thing, and he was just going on and on. Maybe I am. And at, this, at some point, he says, all right, I invite you to come down and give yourself to Jesus. Come down and be saved. And it's called an altar call. Anybody else been to an altar call? A church that has one. Something invented in the 19th century. Charles Finney, um, kind of going through the frontier of America, really drums up emotional responses is what he was after. Um, and I like to say a charlatan, but, you know, I, I kind of get that. You know, people want to have that emotional experience of being saved um, where they're cleansed and they're just feeling totally different, right? Uh, so I'm there and this guy's yelling at us and, and uh, I, it really made me doubt. Maybe I'm not a Christian. I didn't go up. I'd be, I was embarrassed. I'm not going to go up, you know, but, but I was kind of drawn to that. Maybe, maybe I should be going up. Maybe I should have that experience of being saved. I also remember the same kid that went there. He was a pastor's kid, and uh, he uh, walked around school. This is eighth grade, and uh, he, he, he was new there. They had moved there, and uh, he went around carrying a Bible everywhere it went. I just I remember thinking, like, man, I don't carry a Bible around. Maybe I'm not really a believer because I'm not doing that. I don't look like a Christian all the time. I'm embarrassed. I actually probably wouldn't carry a Bible in eighth grade. I feel kind of dumb, like a nerd. These sort of things really trouble me. And I think it troubles a lot of people. What does it mean to be saved? What should we be feeling like? What if we don't always act like Christians? Does that mean we're not? It comes down to this very clear scriptural teaching throughout scripture. And Paul describes it right here. And that is until we are buried... We are sinners. Until we are buried, our flesh is bent the other way. It sins. The desires oftentimes are wrong. That's leading us the other way. Now, now as Christians, we have the spirit. God is pulling us away, but, but there's something in us that's going the wrong way. Don't be surprised by that. We're 100% sinners, needing forgiveness, living in that forgiveness. Not just once when you're saved, but all the time. We're 100% sinners, but also very clear from Paul and Jesus 
that you are absolutely a saint. He doesn't kind of give you his righteousness. He doesn't kind of save you. He completely washes away your sins and makes you a child of God. You're not partly a child of God. So Christians are simultaneously sinners and and saints. And I think a lot of Christians have a challenge with this. And there's two, I would say, wrong ways to go with this. One thing is, one way to go is, I think a lot of churches teach that, that the Christian life is about progressing and becoming a better and better person. Now, that in and of itself is okay, but what it ultimately means is you need to, you're growing internally in righteousness and being better to the point of being perfect. And some churches would teach that, that if you're not perfect at the end of your life, then you need to go somewhere and have it beat out of you so you can become completely internally righteous in order to stand before God, live forever in heaven. Then you're a saint. And others might not say that so specifically, but they talk like that, that you are always growing internally in righteousness. And if you're not growing, you're dying. You hear that all the time, right? And the goal of the Christian life is just to become better and better and better. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a better person or fighting against your sins and your sinful desires. Nothing wrong at all. Nope. But do not depend on getting better and better and better as a mark of your salvation. You are a saint already by grace. God gives that to you. He calls you that. That's why you're a saint, not because you act like one. That's the whole point of Christianity and the whole point of Jesus and the whole point of every single letter of St. Paul's and John's and Peter's, that you're saved by grace and you have that now by faith. You believe it. There's another error when it comes to uh, um, what we're supposed to be doing right now, and that is uh, that if you're a Christian, you don't sin by just the fact that you're, you're saved. If you're baptized, boom, from then on, or you go to the altar call, boom, done. You commit yourself to Jesus, you're done. You're done sinning. And people actually think, you know, that Christians don't sin. I remember doing a service in, uh, in Appalachia, my first call, and we're doing Ash Wednesday, talking about sin and repentance. And a fellow comes up afterwards, he says, what are you guys, what are you talking about? I didn't like this at all. You just kept on talking about sin. He's like, I'm not a sinner. I've been saved. It's just the weirdest thing. Like, you, you really? You don't think you sin? So, and for either faults, whether you think that if you're a Christian, you don't sin, which is wrong, or if you think that as a Christian, you're supposed to be getting less and less sinful, both those are wrong. And when you follow those paths, you end up managing or thinking you're managing, managing sin, and you end up, um, what do you call it, kind of mess, you, and you end up up manipulating the law so that you'll fit into it. I remember one one the good friend of mine, she was talking about uh, the pastor was telling her at some big evangelical church, something like, um, you know, if you don't think about anything, if you think about something for like two seconds, it's not a sin. But if you think about something longer, you dwell on it, then it becomes a sin. He's trying to delineate all these different sins. Why? So that you can have some sort of way to measure whether or not you're sinning. And so that you can be sinless. As opposed to trusting in Jesus' forgiveness, you have to make up things about the law, which is what the Pharisees did, actually, so that you can fit into it and not be a sinner. It never works. You either become self-righteous, thinking you're not a sinner, which is a major problem in America today. Everybody else is a racist except for me. Everybody else is a comic except for me. Everybody else is a fascist except for me. 
or you fall into despair, which is what Luther suffered as he tried to be a better and better person and just saw more and more sin. How can I be a Christian if I'm a sinner, if I think sinful thoughts? Paul says it, right? He says, wretched man that I am. Paul, he's not saying in the past, right now, as a saved Christian, he says, wretched man that I am now, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, it ain't going to be me being a better and better person or not sinning. He says, verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's who. Christians are not just saved once and then we got to figure it out from there on. We live in that salvation. Our hope and our peace isn't, isn't just, you know, Jesus takes away the original sin and now we got to figure out how we take care of our, our actual sins as we live this life. No, we dwell and live in the words and promises of Christ that we are saints. This is why St. Paul begins each letter by saying saints of Ephesus, saints of Colossus, saints of, of Corinth. He's not saying only the good people. He's talking about believers, our saints, 100%. Our joy and our confidence and our peace that we are saints falls on what Jesus has done for us and gives to us, not in how we behave. This is so huge, and it gives us some rest. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try to be better people at all. It should inspire us to joyfully do our best each day, not afraid to fall. It actually frees us to try because we're not... Our trying and our success of that day um, doesn't result in gaining or losing our salvation. That's taken care of by Christ. We are 100% sinner until we die. We are 100% saints forever. And one day, brothers and sisters in Christ, this struggle that we all have with our identity, with our life of trying to do good and falling down, living by grace and, and by faith. One day, the beautiful thing about the resurrection, the last day, is not just that we're going to rise again physically, but also internally, spiritually. We're not going to have those desires anymore. It's going to be an awesome day because you're not going to have that struggle anymore. You're going to be alive physically. You're not going to be fighting. You're not going to be having these, this, this uh, inner conversation that Paul is talking about. You're not going to feel bad each day. Man, I screwed up. You're going to do what you really want to do. Your body's going to follow through on what your spiritual brain wants to do. You're going to get along with people. People are going to literally enjoy each other's company and lift one another up. It's a glorious city that awaits us. In Jesus' name, amen. small